This is Elina. Hi, this is Tatu. And today we're discussing about the changing role of the DSOs with the clean energy package. And we are actually senior advisors in the energy department of the Finnish Ministry of Economic Affairs and Employment. And um, I have a background on, from the DSO and ENSOE side, and I was following the, the clean energy package negotiations. And that to you? Yeah, um, uh, I was actually the main negotiator of, of the package from the Finnish side. So we both have a quite a good insight on, on the package from different sides. And now we are both uh, on, on the team implementing the, the package to the Finnish legislation. So and, and uh, today we are discussing the changing role of the DSOs. So the clean energy package um, has a lot of interesting new topics and they are covering a lot of a lot of different DSO issues such as smart grids, digitalization and deep new market integration. And very interesting one of course is the changing role of the DSOs. And distribution networks actually have to address a lot of new challenges with more renewable wind and solar connect, connected to the distribution grids. And that's basically one of the, the starting points for the clean energy package. And the Commission has highlighted the three main aspects of the clean energy package uh, that set the DSO framework. And the first is DSOs uh, to procure and use flexibility. And then we have, of course, the neutral role of the DSO, because there's a more and more DSO uh, tasks and obligations. And they, they have, will have involvement in storage, in electric vehicles, infrastructure, as well as data management. So we have to make sure uh, on the member state level that when we're making uh, the legislation that we have to ensure the neutrality with all these new tasks. Because also the DSOs will be part of the EU level work. There will be the new EU DSO entity. And they will be taking part in the network code development as well with NSOE and the TSOs. And looking at the regulatory framework, so of course we have the electricity directive. And we are mainly concentrating on that because there's the, the main DSO tasks. Uh, and then on, in the electricity regulation, there's uh, the EU DSO entity and the cooperation. And so now we could go to today's topic. So yes, well, we have divided the discussion into two. Kind of first, we will discuss the change in the role of the DSO, so how they procure ancillary services and flexibility services, and uh, the the kind of the scope of, of the definition of fully integrated network components. So what the DSO can really own and and uh, operate. And the other, other part is, is the network development plans, but mostly we will be talking about the, the new, new things the DSOs can do or cannot do. Um, then, um, first the flexibility. 
There's kind of the, there's two new trends in, in flexibility. Um, the first one is is the need for flexibility. It increases both in the energy markets. That's that's kind of what's what's been happening for long now, and and that's kind of common day. So the energy market flexibility, um, but also in the networks, that's also happening already. Uh, and, and that's commonplace in the TSO networks, but now the emphasis is going to the DSO level. So that's, that's something new. Um, the other new thing is, is the, how or where we procure the flexibility. So we will have to um, focus more on the smaller units and uh, to the consumers on, on the source of flexibility. Um, if we first look at the need for flexibility, as I, as I said, kind of the, the TSOs have, have a long tradition to procure flexibility and they've been the only one actually doing it. Uh, and now when the distributed generation, well, electric vehicles, electrification in general, uh, that will place more and more uh, strains on the DSO network. So the DSOs cannot anymore react to bottlenecks or, or congestions in their network with, with building new lines or, or just changing transformers, but they have to look into, into flexibility as well. And uh, the directive now in Article 32 that it addresses rightfully this issue. So the flexibility services need to be defined now and, and where possible, the flexibility services need to be uh, procured with standardized products on, on, on in the markets. So this is, of course, to improve the efficiencies in operation and, and development of the network. And that will be also quite an interesting task for us on the, the member state level to try to figure out that what should be the criteria actually for the standardized products. Mm. And how much should we also try to discuss with our uh, member uh, on the neighboring member states on the definitions? Yeah, yeah. The, if you look at it from the from the DSO side, the challenge for the DSO in in the procurement of flexibility is how can they compare um, the kind of the grid investment and the flexibility service so that they actually get the same service to the customer. So, so how can you compare an investment that has a lifetime of 40 years to a, to a flexibility service that can be gone tomorrow? So the, the time horizon is totally different in, in, in these two different approaches. And the main thing here is that the customers should be better off. So kind of that they get the service uh, with the less money than, than today. So I think that's, that, that is what we, the legislators, should focus on. How the customer will be better off when the DSOs procure the flexibility services. Yeah, and as you were saying earlier, we had a discussion that also the regulatory model for the DSO is actually a key when we look into the, uh, the customer interest, yeah. so to speak. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the tricky part, of course. Um, but of course, it, it's... It's obvious that there's, there are many occasions where flexibility is, is, you can create value with flexibility in the, in the networks. Uh, well, 
that there's millions of, of examples, but just imagine a thing where, where a rural area is, is uh, the customers are leaving there. So if, if you build a line for 40 years there, then, then there's no customers after two years. So that's, of course, a very good place for flexibility to deal, deal with any, any congestions. Um, yeah, so, so that's a big issue now then uh, on how to define the products. Um, we, of course, we, we are both working in the ministry. We are happy that the directive starts from the fact that it's, it's the regulator and the DSOs that define the product, so we don't have to involve <laughs> in that. But, but it, it will be a big challenge and, and I think cooperation there will be needed. And uh, we have already in the Nordic countries started to discuss on, on, on these topics. Um, of course, usually DSO level issues have, con have been considered to be very national. Um, but here where we have a common market, so, so it would be useful to look, uh, to, to have a, a bit broader view on, on how to define the products to actually help the market come live, so, so it's always better to have a bigger market. And the more they are similar, the products, mm -hmm. the, the more efficient marketplaces you can also have. Exactly, and, and it's easier for, for, the, for the service providers to start a business in another country then. And of course, uh, for us as the legislator, we have to try and find the most important uh, points of the directive that will then make all the difference. Mm -hmm. And then we would move to the storage facilities. So the basic principle in the directive is that the DSO should not own or have any ownership of storage facility. And the storage, of course, is important here because it's a key part of flexibility as well. And that is why we have to regulate it, because normally we consider storage as part of supply and the DSOs or the DSOs should not have ownership uh, of such assets. And also from the economic perspective, it's not uh, efficient. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. It's a, as it says, such an excellent resource kind of if you are, if you are thinking of the normal storage facility, we of course think of batteries and they are excellent in, in reacting to the sudden changes in the electricity system. So they can participate to wide variety of marketplaces. And now if, if the DSO kind of grabs hold of, of, of the storage facility and owns it, um, and then kind of uses it to, to its own use, then the, the service providers cannot get remunerated for providing services to the DSOs as they are already providing themselves the service. So kind of that they are exempting then the, the service providers from a large share of, of their income, which is in a, from looking at the economic side, it, it's not very efficient. So basically, the, sm the more the DSOs or the DSOs would have storage capacity they can use, the less we would actually have also flexibility market exactly. to some extent. Yeah. Uh, because uh, in the directive, there's actually possibility to derogate from the unbundling uh, principle. So actually, uh, 
The storage facilities that are fully integrated network components and are not used for balancing or for congestion management can be owned by the DSO or the DSO if the regulator approves. So there's actually no need of showing missing market or anything mm. of, of such. But of course, then the question is that uh, where can they use it? Because if it's not for congestion management, because Article 32, 32 says, that's a flexibility article, that uh, the flexibility actually includes congestion management or the, the flexibility framework. So it's quite clear that uh, congestion management also within the control area should be bought from the market. And of course, uh, maybe we can derogate from that principle if we have a missing market situation. But then the derogation would not be based on the uh, fully integrated network component derogation, but it would be based on the, the missing market derogation. Yeah, that, that's in Article 36. Yes, two. also yeah, in the yeah. storage yeah, exactly. article. Yeah. There, there's actually basically the same derogation in the flexibility market, mm. so they are actually mirroring one another, mm. so it makes sense. And uh, so that's you know, actually one of the discussions that we have, that what is the, the definition of, uh, of congestion income? And it's quite key, uh, along with the fully integrated network component, in order to get the, uh, the regulatory framework right. And uh, maybe also we've been uh, discussing on the dilemma of the, the regulatory model as such, because uh, if the DSOs own the storage, the, the basic principle in the regulatory model is, is of course, full compensation. Yeah, so that they, they are included in the regulatory asset base, basically. Yeah. And after that, then, of course, we will have our network full of full of uh, storage facilities if, if we are allowing them to be mm. in the regulatory asset base. Mm. Because basically, uh, when we, um, the definition for the fully integrated network components is a component that's integrated in the transmission or distribution system. And it, it can include also storage facility, but the sole purpose of in, uh, for the use is to ensure secure and reliable operation of the of the uh, transmission or distribution system so it's kind of it's very limiting uh, it's limiting the use of such assets also and if it's if it's used because of the missing market then of course you can use it more widely but then uh, then it's actually eating the whole flexibility market yeah. away mm -hmm. So if we make this derogation, it might mean that we won't even have the flexi flexibility market we want. Yeah. Well, but it's, it's lucky we have already case examples of, of the DSOs procuring flexibility of, of services from, from, from the um, storage facilities from the market players. So for example, here in Finland, we have a DSO called Elenia procuring uh, services from a storage facility owner called Fortum. Um, so the, in, in normal cases, Fortum is operating in the market with the, uh, with the storage facility. And then in case of a storm, for example, the, El the company Elenia will reserve the capacity um, from Fortum to procure or to produce security of supply for the customers. So 
that works very well and we of course would be happy to see that mm. going forward. And maybe uh, to conclude from uh, from the uh, flexibility, how promoting flexibility point of view, what we as the member state have to look into is uh, we basically have tr three key factors and definitions uh, to make sure that the whole system is working. So it's it's the fully integrated network component. How do we understand it? How what's congestion management, and what is actually the scope of the storage derogation? Mm -hmm. But maybe that's for the, the flexibility as such. Yeah, I think so, yeah. And then, of course, the storage, uh, storage ownership and the storage facilities is one of the issues also in the directive. And both for the TSO and the DSO, uh, the starting point, of course, is that they should not own they should not own the, the storage facility. And there are a few... Uh, possibilities to derogate from that. So, of course, if we have a fully integrated network component and the regulator approves uh, the ownership, then it's possible uh, for the DSO to own a storage facility. So, uh, in case we have a fully integrated network component, there's no need actually to show the missing market uh, as it is in the, the flexibility products, for example. And uh, then what we've been discussing, of course, is that how you, how, what is the fully integrated network component and how should we define it? Um, basically, it's uh, defined as a network component that are integrated in the transmission or distribution system. And it also includes storage facility but it has to be used for the sole purpose of ensuring secure and reliable operation of the transmission of distribu or distribution system. And then uh, if we look at the integrated network components or the storage facilities that are integrated network components, of course, the question is that how can we use it? And there's been some discussion also in Finland that how do we then also uh, define congestion management? Because it's been said that uh, when we have uh, congestion management in the DSO control area as part of the regulatory framework for flexibility, uh, it should be procured from the market. And uh, there's been discussion then that uh, whether where we have bottlenecks within the control area of the DSO, yeah. So uh, we understand reading the article that it should be considered uh, that also these bottlenecks within the, con uh, con uh, the control area should be considered as congestion management and they should be bought from the market. So then we've been trying to understand that what is the, uh, the correlation between the, the storage uh, and the flexibility service. And we came kind of the, into the conclusion that, that if there's a missing market, so uh, because the, the, the DSO can't really use the storage, they would have a storage that is a fully uh, integrated network component for flexibility use. So they couldn't actually use it for the internal bottlenecks so then they would have to have a market test uh, 
and if they couldn't buy the flexibility on the market, then they could, it could be possible that they could use the storage as, uh, as flexibility or uh, for the missing market of flexibility. So we've been discussing that quite a lot. And I think we, after long discussions, we came to that conclusion, but it wasn't very sure in the beginning. So I think we'll crack that one. Yeah, actually the, the directive is rather allowing on, on, on this part. So, so kind of the, both the, the, the integrated network component can, can include a storage facility and, and also kind of on, on from the other route you could also end up owning or the DSO could end up owning owning the network components if you take a very um, kind of wide interpretation on, 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 on the directive. And it's basically because if we want to promote flexibility, we have mm. to be actually these very technical issues are, are quite key. That how do we understand fully in the credit network component? Exactly. When can they be used? The more they actually used, the less we might have flexibility markets. Yeah. So this is as we kind of it's it's obvious that if you have a, a storage facility, you would have to be able to access all the marketplaces to be profitable. So you would have to access all the TSO marketplaces. You would have to have access to day ahead markets and also the DSO uh, revenue stream or the kind of the um, congestion management in, in the DSO network or kind of service services, what you can provide for the DSO. But now if, if the DSO takes uh, just to themselves the whole whole service package kind of own own that side it, it will take a big gap on on the storage owners revenue and uh, the way we understand the directive it's quite hard to see actually the use for the dso storage of course it depends on uh, again how how yeah. how loose you want to read the directive yeah. it's Kind of, you can read it in both ways. I think so. Kind of get the very strict rules for, for <laughs> the DSO ownership, or very, very loose ones. Exactly. So, so it's it's actually a, well interesting yeah. to see how this comes up <laughs> when when the member states implement this. Mm. So it's basically a trade-off between a, a, a full flexibility market, or that we don't have to that the DSO can. Uh, secure system in the way that they've used to and uh, of course from maybe from more conservative perspectives. Mm, exactly. It's but it's, it's, it's interesting that there's already case examples where, where DSOs buy flexibility from, from uh, service providers, from um, storage facilities. For example, here in Finland there's uh, um, DSO called Elenia is, is buying service from, from a service provider called Fortum, who usually uses the, uh, this, uh, the Fortum, which is a market operator, that one uses the storage facility to normally participate in, in reserves markets. But when there's a storm coming, the DSO calls Fortum that, hey, we would like to reserve the, the capacity for, for today for, for the use in, in 
insecurity of supply or increasing the security of supply for the customers. So I think that's smart and that's the way we would like to see things going <laughs> forward. Indeed, we would. And then maybe next we have the procurement of ancillary services. And the principles are quite uh, similar as with flexibility. So uh, the directive foresees ancillary services as market-based services, and they should be procured from, from uh, competitive markets. And the definition actually for ancillary services is quite complicated. So uh, it's not very intuitive. It's very much uh, man-made in the sense that uh, it's, uh, it's understood as service used by the TSO or the DSO for steady voltage control, fast reactive current injections, inertia, for local grid stability, short circuit current, black start capability, and island operation capability. So that's quite quite the definition, uh, at least for a lawyer to understand. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's basically that's basically the, the starting point. And of course, there's a, a large derogation as well. So the regulator can grant derogation if. Um, the provision of those non-frequency ancillary services is economically not efficient. So there's kind of an efficiency criteria. And then I suppose there needs to be some kind of a CBA done. And, um, and also um, it should be noted that the obligation uh, to procure does not apply to fully integrated network components again, which makes sense because that's basically the, the, the basic DSO-DSO. Uh, business. Yeah. And maybe the question is that um, what, how do we decide then that what services are to be, are to be procured mm. and which ones the DSO and DSO can pro produce themselves? Yeah. And that's something that we've been discussing and with the, with the, uh, the stakeholders and the DSOs and DSOs. Yeah, so, so kind of the, the non-ancillary services well, they can be divided into three groups. So kind of local services, then regional services and system-wide services. And if you look at the local services, they are the steady state voltage control, fast reactive current injections and short circuit current injections. So, so um, these are very local and uh, then how do you create a market for them? That's, that is very interesting, kind of where can we find a very good market where nobody would have a kind of a market power, for example. So this will be a tricky one to, to crack efficiently. But uh, yeah, let's, let's see what our NRA comes up with. But how is it, for example, this um, black, uh Black start, uh, how well, do you call it? Black start capability. Yeah, well, that then that, that's a kind of that's already then a regional service. Okay. Kind of, kind of, it's a bigger. Then you have a bigger area. So black start capability means that if your grid goes down, you would have to have a certain amount of, of uh, generators that can start from from having no power in the network. So that's not the um, capability that the normal power plant has, so it has to be kind of a very special generator to do that. Oh, okay. So it, it needs some extra investments and uh, it has to be reserved. So, so the TSO would need to have a certain capacity for that. 
and they need to know which uh, uh, which uh, power plants are capable of that, and they need to secure that. So kind of they're there already because it's a bigger area. You have some possibilities to have a better competition on that. Mm. But again, it's it's more of a one-off tendering procedure. So you, when you have the capacity, you have it, and you, you, and it as it needs some investments. Normally, the power plants won't do that. So so kind of it's 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 something that is basically not there if it's not asked for. So you would have to negotiate it prior the the power plant is being built? Is that what you're um, saying? I think you can retrofit that as well. Okay. But but usually it's very expensive at that point. And so if you want to the TSO to procure the service, it's uh, if it's some kind of a yearly or... Uh, I think it, it's, it, it doesn't make any sense expensive. if it's a yearly yearly procurement because then you would be procuring same power plants all, all over again. So, so I, at, at least I don't see that there would be a lot of kind of different generators going and coming to, the, to this kind of system. So I, I'd say it's more of a one-off tendering on, on these ones. Yeah, and it would also mean that there would, there would be too much of a risk to make uh, the investment if you don't know exactly. that it will be procured. And this is, yeah. uh, this is also a very critical one for the whole society. That the, you know, if you have a blackout, you don't want to mess around, kind of, because you, you had a market. You, said that, well, we didn't get the capacity and now we have a longer blackout. So it's, it's, a, it's a very tricky one, but, but there's, there's more opportunities there, or at least it's more clear how to make a good competition there. And then, well, if, if you look at these non-ancillary services, non-frequency, ancillary services, yes. that's a, quite now? a mouthful. Are we on the regional level now? Or? No, I'm going to the kind of uh, system-wide services now as we talk the regional ones just. And then the only kind of system-wide service is the inertia. Even though I, I, I am an engineer, I, my heart bleeds all <laughs> the time, every time I read this because inertia is a global attribute and now the directive says it's a, it's a local grid stability issue. So that's that's plain wrong, and I hate it. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but anyways, that, that's, a, that's a global um, global thing in, in the electricity system. So kind of there's a good opportunity to, to create a market for that. But the thing is that the only one who knows how much to procure is the TSO, and it really needs a very specialized network calculation software. So again, it's a, it's a one buyer market. Well, we have another one as well, so it, it, I think that's not the problem. So. Mm. But at one point when we have enough renewables generation in the system, the, the, there's, there will be an increased need for, for, for inertia as well, so it would be wise to mm. buy it from, from the markets. So I imagine that we have to uh, study that which of these services can be done in an economically efficient exactly. way. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Again, hopefully, uh, luckily, that's that's the NRA business. So. Of course, <laughs> we just have to write it in the the legislation. Yeah. And <laughs> All right. Um, then we have the topic of, of the network development plans. Um, that's 
something we, we have actually been doing here in, in, in Finland for quite a while now. Um, at the moment, the DSOs have to send in a uh, network development plan every two years. The background in this is uh, year 2011, when we had a lot of blackouts in, in Finland due to storms. Uh, and we placed some new security of supply criteria for the DSO. So limiting the duration of, of the uh, power outages to the customers to six hours in, in urban areas and 36 hours in, in rural areas. And uh, the DSOs have to show to the uh, NRA how they fulfill these criteria criterias with this uh, uh, development plan. Um, so, so the plan at the moment it, it deals only the security of supply criteria. There's no consultation. There's no requirement to evaluate other options. But um, we have kind of a, some kind of template already for this, and uh, uh, we have already now started a kind of a early implementation. For, for the directive, well, it's not very early, but anyways, before the kind of end of, of implementation time, we, we will already now have soon some legislation on this new legislation. Um, and it's actually already in consultation. It is, so yes. It's, it's available in Finnish. It is, so <laughs> go ahead and read it if you want. To get uh, some good ideas. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but the kind of what we are doing, we, we are applying the directive requirements, so that is the consultation and so forth. Plus, we are placing emphasis on cost efficiency and alternative means to the investments, so that the, uh, the, the DSOs will have to uh, justify their, their investment plans better to the greater public, because this has been a big topic in, in Finland after the security of supply criteria that the, that the DSOs are doing yeah. uh, kind of uh, too much investments and not efficiently the investments. So, so now we are placing more requirements for them to actually tell them that they are efficient. Yeah, um, yeah of course, this brings some extra work to the DSOs. We think that's, that's manageable and, and uh, uh, well, that's what they should actually do. Of course, also to the energy authority. But again, there's so big uh, uh, savings to be had in, in this one. So I think this is really necessary to put in place and also to give the transparency to the greater public that the DSOs are actually doing a good job. And that actually now the next step on that is, of course, the, the regulatory model that how do we incentivize this? Mm -hmm. It's good. Yeah. Um, well, flexibility and other. Exactly. Uh, but we'll see how it's going to go. Yeah. But we are already uh, thinking of those things, and the, regu the regulator is actually starting the work this summer, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but this is a. I, I think all, all in all, the whole package in, in this place, even though there's there's some kind of ambiguity, and and uh, on some parts it's a bit vague, but uh, I think this is a good package, and and concentrating on the right. Pieces and now we have to only make it right on, on the national level to kind of actually benefit from, from 
from the directive will really benefit or so that the customer really benefits. That's yeah, the key. And I think that's that that's that we always have to have in mind the the goal and the objective of the regulation. Sure. It's of course it's the energy transition and how the world is changing. Uh, but it's also that we put the customer in the center. Exactly. And that's one of the key things. Yeah. So I think that's all from us. So yep. thank you very much for listening and thank uh, you. Feel free to contact us yes, <laughs> if you want to discuss more. Of course. <laughs> that's very good, Tatu. Yeah. Okay, thank you everyone. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye.